Hello, listeners, and welcome to the After 50 Shades of Grey podcast. It's been a while since I have recorded a podcast, since I have been engaging, even on social media. In the past month, I lost one of my brothers, um, my second brother. My parents have four children three boys and myself the only girl and youngest and the second in line passed away after dealing with COVID-19 and um, it came as a shock. He was admitted to the hospital on Thursday, died on Tuesday and to say we were not prepared is actually the understatement of the century because I think we are believing that, you know, people aren't necessarily dying anymore, right? Because supposedly the world is going back to normal. And um, anyway, uh, it was a very difficult time for my family as a whole, for me as an individual. Um, that brother and I bore many similarities in the dysfunction of our lives. Um, he was eight years older than I, and, um, it was just interesting after his passing, his, one of his daughters and I, and my brother who follows him, who I follow, and I had separate conversations and it was just interesting how looking back at our lives, we had this nonlinear trajectory and the similarities between that trajectory. And it caused me to really begin to think about how we live our lives in wanting to please or be validated by our families or maybe it's our friends, whomever. There are a lot of us that live our lives, even when it appears that we are living our lives not in accordance with what others would say well, wow, if you were living your life according to what other people, you would make different decisions. Actually, you don't. Um, But I wanted to talk today about how living an inauthentic life really affects us. And when our families don't support us in even decisions that are not, good (laughs) because a lot of times you don't know that a decision isn't good until you have the fallout right and if you're always afraid of making bad decisions then you can't really make good ones either right because you learn from your mistakes is a true thing very few of us learn from others mistakes honestly Well, maybe some people do. There are some of us, though, we've got to make that mistake ourselves to have it resonate. And it 
really came home to me how I look at my seven children and my 11 grandchildren, my my one great granddaughter. And I really began to look very clearly at how we communicate to our children, to our siblings, to the people whose lives we impact and how our expectations can ruin Yes, the word I use is ruin, ruin another person's life. Now that might be an overstatement in some cases, but in others it's really not. Because if we fail to accept people for who they are, and I'm not talking about enabling necessarily. Um, You know, there's a fine line between enabling and having, and giving someone runway to be themselves and make their mistakes. Great. You've got to decide what that is for you. But ultimately, what I am talking about here is having the faith and trust in the people whose lives we're impacting, whether it be our children or our grandchildren, siblings, to friends and to give them the freedom to make mistakes, to give them the freedom to live their lives in a way that makes them happy. Because so many times we are trying to prevent another person from making mistakes or other times we're just judging. I gotta tell you, I come from a very judgmental family. We judge if you didn't finish school, if you didn't do this, if you if you didn't do this linear path, which none of us did and none of us do. Well, actually, one in four of us did. Uh, <laughs> but at what cost? At what cost? And I think we've really got to examine as parents, as grandparents, as siblings, in what ways are we not allowing the people we claim to love to be their authentic selves, even when we don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense to us the things that they're doing, even when they're making mistakes. Like I said, I've got seven kids. I've got to, I've had to learn to let go in times when I think they're making a mistake. Doesn't mean that I shut up. (laughs) No, it doesn't. I will say, I just want you to think about this. And sometimes it results in them rethinking a decision And sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, if I can be the cushion that they fall on against, if I can provide them loving arms of comfort, then to me, that is the best, best, best way 
I can parent. It's the best way I can be supportive of a friend or a sibling. And this can be hard for those of us who have very strict guidelines of what they think life should look like and how we should live our lives and say, you know, this is what the world says is right and so it's the only way. There are very few things that there is only one way to do it. Very few things. And when we're dealing with people and personalities and all the different complex layers that human beings possess, we really have to take a step back sometimes and look and say, is the world going to end if this mistake is made? And how can I be supportive if it all falls apart? I believe if we did that, we would give ourselves and the people we love room, room to grow, room to make mistakes, room to be their authentic selves. A lot of times we don't take the time to ask people what they want or what they need. Rather, we look at them in terms of what we think they should want or need. I've had this conversation with my brother who I follow and I said, you know, one of the struggles for me is if I had something and someone needed, I'm not going to say that I'm going to just throw it at them, but I'm not going to withhold because it's a principle and I decide that, it, so for instance, I was telling him about a friend who needed some money for something and I had money in my savings account and I know savings says, it's your savings, don't touch it. But I couldn't, really couldn't, you know, see somebody with a need and I have that money, I'm not using it and, you know, it's not like I had it and I had a whole bunch behind it. It's not. But I just can't see withholding that. And I know that's not the way a lot of people think. I mean, I have a daughter who she requires you to do this, do this, do this. She's very much like her uncle in that. And it's hard for people who have a non-linear path, who don't have the tangible success things, right? Um, they don't have money. They don't have a nice house. They don't have a nice car. But is that really success at the end of the day? If they were happy living in a certain way, who am I to decide that that's not good enough? And if I can help them, why would I withhold my help? Because they are happy, but they're not successful. 
it's 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 a it's a really gray area. This is that shades of gray piece for me. Um, what if we took away all the strictures that we put around people? You know, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. I, you know, we have a thing. Until you graduate high school, you're not getting this, and until you do this, you're not getting that. You know, some people didn't graduate high school. I got my GED, went on to get an associate's degree, went on to get a bachelor's degree, went on to get a master's degree. Now, I didn't not get my high school diploma because I was not capable. It was just another one of those nonlinear life decisions. I had my first child when I was 16 and she was a rubella baby. So she was blind, deaf, delayed. That changed life for me because I then got the blue pages of the telephone directory. Some of you won't even know what that is. That was Google back in my day. And I called every organization that had the word retarded, blind, deaf, any what we now call disability named organization, governmental organization, I called them. And I was able to find the rubella program at the Roosevelt Hospital because it so happened that the year she was born, there was a big outbreak of rubella in New York City. And so this program was put in place. But it had to have been a couple of years before too, because it was a fully functioning program by then. The point is that regardless of the fact that I did not make the decisions that my family would have wanted, though I went on to do many good things, for most of my life, I felt like I didn't measure up. I felt like I was not validated. And yeah, you know, okay, external validation, all that good stuff. Got it. I understand that. The problem is that while you're living in the day-to-day, -day, while you're struggling to be, to live, to exist, a lot of times there's not a lot of time for reflection. There's not a lot of time for... You know, you make decisions based on the next chaotic phase of life. Um, so I guess what I'm really trying to get to here is say you have a child or a grandchild who has a child as a teenager. Instead of judging, instead of telling them how their life is going to be ruined, what if we came around, asked them, or gave them time to figure out? Because honestly, if you'd asked me what I'd wanted, it's absolutely not anything that would have been helpful for me. I was supposed to have married her father, and I still to this day thank my lucky stars that I did not do that because, yeah, he was a great guy then, I thought, but as I've, <laughs> I'm lucky enough to have years later, 40 years later insight to see that that would not have been the life for me.
right? And despite the fact that there were other experiences that occurred that led to more brokenness and more, you know what? You can't look at all of that because right now your life experiences are what they are. And if you can just embrace that and forgive yourself for any mistakes that you made, and I'm going to find a new word for it because saying that they're mistakes really puts them in a box with a label. When some of those life experiences, though they may not have come out how we had hoped or we had expected, they led to other experiences that grew us in ways that we would not have grown. The woman I am today, the woman that I have become is a total and full-blooded result of my life's experiences. Too many life's experiences, one might say, but guess what? They are mine. They are mine. And no one gets to decide that I made too many mistakes or I've tried to come back too many times. Nobody gets to decide that for me and nobody gets to decide that for you. As long as you've got breath, you can elect today, tomorrow, to get up, to dust off, to start over or resume. Kind of like this podcast for me. I've not podcasted in two months. I've just, I've been out of it. I'm not going to lie. I have been out of it. The it being that smooth sailing life that we, I think, aspire to. And yesterday I sent an email, said, I'm booking an hour in the studio. This morning I got up, I didn't feel like coming. I had to move the hour up, but I showed up. And if there's one thing I'm gonna encourage you to do today, it's to show up. Show up in your life. There may be days, weeks, and months that you cannot lift your head, that you just can't make yourself do what you need to do. But I'm gonna encourage you today do one thing, write a paragraph, send an email, just do one thing for you. One thing that will get you started. One thing that will get you moving toward where you need to be. It's not necessarily going to be easy. It's not necessarily going to be a quick fix, but Show up, show up for yourself. Start the journey again, resume the journey. Whatever it takes, do it for you. This is Petal, this is After 50, Shades of Grey, the podcast. I look forward to talking to you next time.